An unhealthy relationship with money can create all kinds of challenges, especially when you and your spouse can't seem to get on the same page about this important topic. Today's guest, Heidi Carter, money breakthrough and business coach, will help us identify the root causes of emotional overspending and how to have a healthy relationship with money so that we can have more green in the bank. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We are your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. This is episode 75, and each week we're bringing you interviews designed to inspire you to build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having the conversations that matter. Yeah, so we talk with incredible experts about every important area of life, from health and fitness to finances, parenting, sex, career, spiritual growth, and so much more. Oh, yes. And sprinkled in, we get to connect with amazing couples who share their stories of overcoming ordinary to build a legendary marriage. So today on the show, we've got Heidi Carter, who works with female entrepreneurs fighting the ideas of wealth being greedy or evil (laughs) so they can bump up their bank account while helping others too. And she shares how couples can avoid emotional overspending by each healing their own baggage around money so they can get on the same page with their spouse and have money to spare. Um, This is tricky. Yeah. This is tricky because every couple has two individual people that have two individual bags of baggage (laughs) around money. Absolutely. Well, I know for you, we've always talked about this. Your parents are a bit older than my parents, so they come from a different generation. Yeah, my parents are both depression babies. They were born in the 30s and grew up in that, like, oh my gosh, we've lived through having nothing. Yeah. And so everything is valuable. Everything is... And and then there's also this sense of like, what if it all goes away tomorrow? Yeah. The scarcity thing is a big thing um, with the depression. I mean, we've seen recycled saran wrap. We've seen... um, I love you, mom. (laughs) Yes. So all sorts of things like that. So Heidi brings this up that the scarcity thing is really what triggers you to go overspending, which is so interesting. If you think about like the scarcity thing, it kind of like shuts you down. It makes you feel all scary. And so you're like, I got to do something. I'm going to Target. (laughs) (laughs) It's always Target. I know. Or Target, one or the other. This podcast is not sponsored by Target or any of its subsidiaries. Um, so, Justin, you were not on this interview with I me. I did not get to do this. This was a girls' night kind of thing, wasn't it? It was, and it was kind of a bummer because Heidi is one of your coach uh, alumni yeah, we went, pals. we went through training together a few years ago. Yeah. Did you guys do hazing or anything like that? No. It's not that kind of thing. <laughs> That would be very anti-coactive. Oh, that would. That would that would not be in the coaching sense of no something. All right. So, so without much. without any further delay, let's join our conversation with Heidi Carter. So, we are so glad to have Heidi Carter on the show today. She is a money breakthrough and business coach 
for women entrepreneurs. And she is a wife and mom. She is on a mission to show success-minded women leaders how deeply powerful they are and help them strengthen their money relationship and increase their business income. Hello, more money in the bank. Thanks for being on the show today, Heidi. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Yes. Okay. So Heidi and I a little bit go way back because she and Justin, back when Justin started his coaching journey many, many years ago, she and Heidi went to school together. And so you guys are like, what, alumni, I guess. Do you guys have like the t-shirts? Were you guys in like a sorority or a fraternity or something? <laughs> that would have been fun. No. You guys have a secret handshake? Yep. Yeah, you do? Okay, man, I missed out on that. I was not in their class, so I don't know the secret handshake. But Heidi, so how did you get into being a coach for women around the idea of money? When I finished coaching training with Justin, it's like we were all trying to figure out what our niche would be, who we're going to focus on, right? And for me, I was just immediately drawn to women entrepreneurs. And I didn't really know why at the time. But I was just like energetically immediately drawn to women entrepreneurs. So just started doing the business coaching and just got further and further into that. What I realized the juicy nugget really for me was to help them make more money. Ah, yeah. I like that. I like that because it's hard, especially when you're running your own business. And especially when you're in a business where you want to help people. Sometimes there's an idea that's like, oh, well, I'm just in it to help people. Well, yeah, you could actually make money too. (laughs) Yeah. I just felt like so many people had already helped men over the generations and that I was here to help women. Then I also... What kind of issues did they find were popping up for them around the idea of money? There are a lot of subconscious beliefs around money that come from Mm -hmm. our family, our family lineage. Everyone has a money story and everyone has money lineage in their family because money is always here. And so ever since money was around, money have been, people have been experiencing it. And so there's been uh, exciting things as well as money trauma. Now, have you personally had some of that baggage around money? Yes. I just got deep in, as soon as I became an entrepreneur, nothing can make you face your, your money, you know, bugaboos as much as becoming an entrepreneur. So you, it really forces you to learn how to deal with all that. So mine was growing up without a lot of money. And, and yet I had some family members who were very wealthy. And so my parents had kind of rebelled against that wealth. So there was these great experiences with my very favorite family members who had a lot of money and kind of juxtaposed against this belief that wealth is bad and that's not something you should strive for. So the inner child in me, you know, naturally was drawn to those wealth experiences, pretty things and fun experiences and that feeling of freedom and security. I was drawn to all of those. So inherently I didn't... Uh, vibe with what my parents were doing. And yet I was stuck in that environment. And so there was just kind of this discord for me internally. And it took me years to realize that I was really different than my parents. Now, when you got married, do you feel like you still had those same sorts of ideas around money? 
Yeah, I think I really did. And for the first few years of my marriage, I was just working jobs. Like I was a teacher for several years. I was a journalist. So in the job setting, you work, you get paid. So it's very different than entrepreneurship. So I wasn't forced as much to dive into the deeper pain that was still there. Mm, You could kind of just ride with it. Yeah, it was, but it was percolating. It, you know, God was preparing me to to deal with it so that I could help other people deal with it. Now, did your husband have a similar money story? Um, he grew up in the military. And so there was always plenty of money. His dad was an officer. There was always plenty of money, but there was strife in, in the family about money. So I think he kind of went on the same bandwagon as my parents a little bit rebelling against it. And yet also loving it. There's usually like two opposing views that are juxtaposed against each other. I love how you said strife, because I really feel like talking about money in your family does cause strife. Yeah. Um, What are some of the issues that you find that your ladies come up with? Just what are some of these uh, sticking points around money that keep coming to the surface? Just the feeling, well, the belief really that wealth is bad. So for this is an, a story to share. For example, one of my current clients has a really successful uh, real estate. She's a real estate broker. Her business is making over a million dollars and yet she wasn't able to gift herself with the income for her family that she really needed. Like every time her business would break through to a new income level, she would just gift her employees, her agents with bonuses and just kind of give it all away or put it back into the business. She couldn't take it for herself. And so when we dug deep and did deep coaching, you know, it's like, okay, what is the belief under that? And it really was that wealth was bad. And so if wealth, if if you have a belief that wealth is bad, then how are you going to be able to receive that wealth? And so that's where the money relationship comes in because... I like it. It kind of sounds like she was playing hot potato with the money. Like somebody give it to her and she's like, hurry up, give it away. (laughs) I don't want it. It's going to curse me. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we've got the idea that money is bad. What's another kind of negative idea that comes up around money with your people? That money is separate from me. Wealth is separate from me. So those wealthy people are over there and I'm over here. So I'm not going to ever be able to make that much or be with those people. So that kind of a lot of beginner entrepreneurs face that a lot. I feel like that's true in your family sometimes too. No matter what level of income you're in, there's always somebody who's like, oh, those people, you know, it's like, (laughs) you might be those people, somebody else, you know, you move up, you get a bigger house, you whatever. And there's always those people that are, you know, those, I don't know what, what are they? They're Scrooges. They're what we personify them as evil somehow. I don't know Mm -hmm. what they're doing. Scrubbing their monocles or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Greed is a big block for a lot of women. So it's like, if I'm asking for this much money and receiving this much money, that means I'm greedy, which men approach it a little differently. Yeah. Speak to that. I'm really curious about that, how men and women see that differently. So 
women are more caretakers with their money. So it's like, yeah, they kind of put themselves aside. It's like, yeah, I'll make money so I can take care of my family or I'll make money so I can take care of my employees or I'll make money because I know I'm serving my clients in that exchange. But to keep it just for me is greedy. So that's a little more challenging. Whereas the man, you know, has masculine energy. And so genetically, he's just built to bring in money. So asking for money is not as challenging for him. And receiving money is not as challenging for him. Men, you have it so easy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. And you had mentioned that one of the other big things that women come into contact with the idea of money is emotional overspending. Tell me a little bit about what that means. So emotional overspending, it really comes from a sense of fear and lack, mm. which that, that kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it often originates from your family of origin. So it's actually really important to know what happened to your parents with money And especially what happened to your grandparents with money and even further back because, you know, emotions are passed on genetically. We now know that. What what a shocker, right? Like emotions are passed on genetically. So if there was some money trauma in your family lineage and no generation has taken the time to clear it out and heal it, then it's going to be passed on to your kids. Absolutely. That's so interesting because you said it has to do with an idea of lack. Okay, and if you are an emotional overspender, what are the kind of things that you we see you doing? So when a feeling, it could be conscious or unconscious, usually it's unconscious, right? But when a feeling of lack or scarcity comes up, you know, there's not enough money for this bill, or I can't afford that, or I want to do that, but there's not enough money, or this big expense came in and the money's not in my bank for it. So when that emotion, that feeling of lack or scarcity comes up, it's basically a fear that there's not enough money. And what it means is that those original scarcity emotions from your family are still there and they've been activated by something that happened Mm -hmm. in your environment, right? Like the big bill coming in unexpectedly. Sure. So when this happens, it causes a feeling of constriction, like in your body, in your emotions, in your spirit. And it's kind of like the whole you is like, oh crap, there's not going to be enough. Yeah. So what that means is I'm not going to be able to buy the things I want. Okay. So this $2,000 unexpected bill came in. So that means I'm not going to be able to take my family on this vacation this summer. Right. I'm just giving you a hypothetical example. Yeah. Okay. So almost to prove to yourself emotionally that you do have enough money, you spend more than you can actually afford. So it's by spending it, you get that temporary faux fix of, oh, there is enough money. Look, there's enough money because if there weren't enough money, I wouldn't have been able to go get that really nice dress. So it's like soothing yourself to prove to yourself that there is enough. And so then it brings a positive feeling like, oh, thank goodness I do have enough. Look. But yeah, you still don't have enough to pay the $2,000 car repair or whatever. 
Yeah. And so, you know, you were able to pay for the outfit or the nice restaurant, whatever the wealthy you was really wanting, which oftentimes is the inner child. But the problem is that you couldn't actually afford it. Uh, so that means you just run up your credit card or you've spent from a category in your spending plan that you're going to need later. Like maybe you needed that for your mortgage or your child's school tuition. And so it's emotional overspending. The emotion is because it, it, your action is based on your negative emotions and it's overspending because it's you being out of alignment with the actual numbers that are in your bank account. Mm. I'm I'm curious too, where do you draw the line between like, let's say you do get that $2,000 car repair bill. And when do you draw the line between I'm having a scarcity mindset because we don't have enough money to pay this bill. So I'm freaking out. But on the other side, it's like, you really don't have $2,000 in your bank account. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. First, the biggest thing that you need to do long-term is really become aware of your family history with money and mm-hmm. do, and make the time to heal it, like truly heal it, because your, your energy is creating your lack of money that whack of $2,000. Mm, if you're okay. putting the net, you're putting like a negative vibe out there. Totally. There's going to be a reason that you're not making a lot of money. Yeah. So whatever you do need to do to heal it, therapy, cutting cords, journaling, money coaching, whatever, like you need to get in there and heal that. The second is like, this is a great example. This has happened to everybody, right? When you get that bill. The second thing is like, you need to go straight to creating a feeling of abundance. And there's, mm. a, there's a lot of like, go to the emotions first before you try to figure out that number, you need to do the emotional spiritual work first, um, to get yourself out of that vibration of there's not enough and there's no way in heck that I'm going to be able to pay this. You want to do whatever it takes to feel rich and abundant and fulfilled. Some suggestions on that are take a break from your work, step away and do some journaling, some gratitude journaling about all the great things that you have in your life that money has gifted you with. It's also a great time to do some prayer and to connect to God. And if you really think about it, God has always provided for you and God's never going to drop you. And so you have to get into that emotional space where you can feel that, that God's never dropped you. God's never going to drop you. So that means this bill is going to be paid too. There's always a way to pay a bill. So instead of like going to the store and buying a brand new dress, you know, exercise some gratitude. I like that. I like that because when you buy the nice dress, yeah, you feel cool about it for, you know, a little while. But then I feel like you have that buyer's remorse feeling like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then your husband's like, what the heck are you doing? Like, why are you buying this expensive dress when we can't even pay this car bill? Like, I feel like you're just creating more problems. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people, when there's an unexpected bill in particular, if there's scarcity issues that haven't been healed, they go into... I'm not going to be able to pay for this. They go into constriction. Like, how am I going to pull the dollars together to pay this? 
instead of going into expansion. And so expansion is what you really want. So you're taking care of your emotions through prayer and creating a feeling of abundance and journaling and things like that. And then you need to expand and God can help you expand. But basically, why don't you think about how could you earn more money instead of how can you scrape together the dollars to pay for this bill? go to the other side of how can I earn more? Is there something I could sell? Is there something I could launch in my business? Is there a client who owes me? Is there someone in my family who owes me? You know, is there some way that I can make more money? I love that because like so many times we probably tell our kids this, if our kids want some like crazy big video game or something like that. And you're like, well, you got to earn the money or you got to save up your birthday money or whatever it is. I feel like we know that in our minds, we know that in theory, yeah. but it doesn't always act out that way. You, you kind of made me perk up when you said, create a feeling of abundance. And the thought I went to right away was, is this like a fake it till you make it kind of a thing? It, it is, but it isn't. It's like you're changing your mindset around it. It's not that you're burying your head in the sand. No. I feel like there's sometimes a fine line between burying your head in the sand and um, shifting your mindset. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah. So the last thing I want you to do is bury your, your head in the sand. Because basically what all this is leading to is you realizing that money energy does have spiritual energy. And so in the money practice that I help my clients create, I always say, when you're doing your spiritual practice in the morning, like prayer and meditation and all that, connect to God first because money's not God, only God is God. So of course you do that first and then to connect to money spiritually. And so in building, when you realize that there's this money soulmate out there for you, and this is just spiritual energy, right? It's like when you realize that money does love you and money wants to support you and you get into that mindset, then you begin being willing to show up as a great partner for money and not looking at your numbers or not looking at your bills and not keeping up with the spending plan is a way of ignoring your money partner. So it's just like, you're not being present for money. And a lot of times people think money is just supposed to come to me. And then I don't even have to give anything back. And there's this great power in you showing up more powerfully as a, a better partner to money. And so, yes, you absolutely want to have a spending plan and do your numbers. That's that's like the, it's maybe the less romantic part of the money soulmate relationship, kind of like with our, you know, spouses. Sometimes we have to have conversations that aren't as fun or romantic as go, walking on the beach together, but they're a really strengthening part of the relationship because we're talking about how do we make these decisions for our kids? What are we going to do with our finances? You know, they're things that spouses have to talk about. And same with you and money. Like you have to do the nitty gritty in the relationship and be that kind of partner. And also the fun stuff that you and money get to do together. So it's like building this really healthy, fun relationship with money. That's interesting. I've never really thought of money having a spiritual aspect to it at all. Because yeah, you're, 
so ingrained, I feel like in teachings that the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you kind of let that connection go mm, a little bit askew in your mind, you say money is evil. And so, which is not true. It's just the love. Well, you'll, you'll never be able to receive money if you believe it's evil. Yeah. Why yeah, yeah. Receive evil. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like if you got a windfall of $2,000, there's some random check came from, you know, some product that you used a long time ago and they had some settlement or something. You're like, what? $2,000. I believe me, you would be the first person to say, this is an amazing blessing. God is great. He has given me this amazing blessing just when I needed it. But on the other hand, you might also be the same person that says money has no spiritual realm to it. So it's really interesting because sometimes I feel like there's only that crazy positive, like a windfall kind of a situation where you're like, yes, God has so blessed me with this money right when I needed it. But then you don't think of it having any spiritual ramification any other time other than when it's an answer to a desperate, desperate prayer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like that's something to, to chew on, at least for me. We'll get back to our conversation with Heidi Carter in just a moment. But first, a message about community. Community is so essential to our marriages. Not only community with other couples, but men with their men folk and women with their women folk. Um, and couples really come together. Why? To support, encourage, and call one another forth. We just learn so much from each other. So join our community on Facebook where we're always talking about the topics from the podcast and so much more. So join our tribe of couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. You can find us at legendarymarriage.com slash community. And now back to the second part of our conversation with Heidi Carter. So three ways to overcome emotional overspending. So we've got identifying the source of scarcity in our family tree. And heal it. Yes, not just identify it. Yeah, you need to identify it and heal it. Then creating a feeling of abundance, which I love, love, love with the prayer and journaling. Now I'm curious about this third one that you're talking about, developing a money partnership. Mm -hmm. Like what does that realistically look like on a day-to-day basis? Because I mean, I function from the idea of the partnership with money is really with my husband and I. So if Justin and I, you know, we have a conversation about money, like that makes sense. So if it, it would it be like the three of us, Justin, money and I are developing a partnership? How, what would that yeah. look like? Yeah, I just want to speak to that a little bit, especially some of the questions that you're asking because they have come up a lot in my speaking engagements. So I just want to address them a little bit. First, I want to say this is just a viewpoint. And so it's just something to spark your creativity around money and to help you with money. And so there may be parts that resonate fully and some parts that you tweak to, you know, resonate more fully with you. So I'm just wondering, like the partnership for Justin and I... Yeah. I think it's kind of like you have your own individual relationship with God, right? That's separate mm-hmm. from Justin. You bring, sure. it, you bring it together in your marriage too. 
you know, through prayer and conversation and the way you lead your life, but you could go take a walk by yourself and be in deep prayer and connection with God by yourself. Cause you and God have that relationship. Right. And same for Justin. Like he has his own individual relationship with God. So I kind of think it's similar with money. Like you have, your history is different. Your money history is different than your husband's money history. Mm-hmm. So you, you have your own things to heal and resolve in that history. So you have to get into your own money relationship. And so I kind of see it as like two parties working on their money relationship separately, kind of like you both work on your God relationship separately. And then you bring those together in the family together, right? So yes, but you could do great healing in your money relation. Well, someone could do great healing in their money relationship and their partner may not be ready to do that. But that doesn't mean that you can't go ahead and do your healing. I love it. I'm wondering, you know, obviously emotional overspending is a negative uh, outcome. Nothing that we're aiming for. When that comes into a marriage, I've heard so many examples from friends, from clients where money is just a major issue between the two of them. One person spends money behind the other person's back. One person spends too much money and then the other person is super frugal and they just feel like the the whole money conversation is just tearing them apart because one person is spending where they shouldn't be and one person never wants to spend. What is your suggestion for those couples that really have a deep issue with the whole spending thing? Yeah, I mean, it's in the top three things that break marriages up is money, right? So I think not talking about it is the worst thing you can do. However, if you're in a cycle, because I've been in the cycle before years ago in my marriage, I was in a negative money cycle that we couldn't get out of. Lots and lots of just fights about money. Same same fight over and over, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the thing for you to do, if you're listening today, like just remember you are an individual that's responsible for your own financial health and your own relationship to money. So like I said earlier, you can heal your money relationship and come to your marriage partnership healed, abundant, able to earn, able to save, and your partner may or may not be ready for that. I think money problems are one of the number one reasons that people get divorced. And so you definitely don't want to ignore the money stuff. But one thing that I mentioned before is no matter where your spouse is with their money issues, you can heal your money lineage today. Mm -hmm. Like you can begin healing your lineage today and you can show up in your marriage as someone who's healthy with money. You can't control how your spouse chooses to show up. But it's interesting for me in my marriage, like when I really got committed to doing the money work about five years ago, you know, my husband had some distrust of me with money because of stuff that had been happening. But then, so it took some time to build that trust. And it's like, no, I'm really committed to these new ways of doing things. See, 
And then, so, you know, five years later, he trusts me completely around money. And uh, it's easy for us to make money decisions together because we, we see that we have the same values and we've had conversations about those. I feel like that can be so frustrating too, because like when you are starting to write your own new story in like in your mind and with God, you're like, we're all good. This is a brand new page. And it, you could have been a screwed up mess two hours ago. And like now (laughs) it's like a whole new world. And you know it, like you're committed. And you know it to the tips of your toes. And your husband is looking at you like you have lost your ever loving mind. Like, how am I going to trust you? You've had like 35 years of screwing up money. And like in two hours, you think I'm going to trust you? (laughs) Well, and that's when you have to disengage a little bit. You have to detach from that person a little bit so that you can really stay on your money path. And and over time, your partner will see the work that you're doing. And like my husband now knows, like he calls me the the money lady in the family. And when financial stuff comes up, someone's like, hey, do y'all want to buy this? He'll look at me. Ask Heidi, she does the money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so and it's I like feel a like completely you're... different situation now. Yeah. And if you're curious with your spouse about like, how they're changing and transforming and like what they're going after. Like you guys can get on the same page. Like if all of a sudden I'm passionate about, you know, rehabbing my whole money situation or rehabbing my health or whatever it is, people change. You know, I, I always laugh at those people that say like, you're not the same person that I married. Well, thank goodness. Jeez. <laughs> if I was still the 25 year old version of myself, like Lord help me. Yeah. Um, uh, let's hope we're growing and transforming over the years. Yeah. And I do think you can just keep reiterating your commitment to your spouse about how you are committing to your money relationship. You know, like, just so you know, I'm committed to earning my share. I'm committed to saving and investing. I'm committed to having these money conversations with you. So you're consistently showing up as a healthy person with money when you have the the marriage conversations. Um, And over time, they're going to see, whoa, you know, she really has changed or he really has changed. He's, he's not debting anymore. We have savings now. We're paying our bills easily. Like, And you have to be patient with each other too. I feel like you have to give each other a little bit of grace to know that you're on the journey. Like I, I was being a little crazy a second ago when I said in two hours, you're going to change your whole outlook. But the reality is you have to give the other person a chance to see the transformation. They're not going to see a two hour turnaround here. Let's be realistic. Well, I um, mean, so years ago, one time I was getting my car worked on at Toyota and it was going to take all day. So their driver was driving me home so I could be at home while they were working on my car. And we got into this conversation and turns out he had been married for a super long time, like 25 or 30 years. And I asked him, what is your secret? And he said, well, we figured out if the other person wants to change, just let them. And so I think that's really true for money too. Like, you know, like you said, we're ever evolving human beings as individuals. And so one of the secrets to having a a long-term healthy, happy marriage is 
learning how to let that person become who God is building them as. I love that because a lot of times if we let ourselves go there, it's kind of like an ugly version of yourself. But if your partner tries to change and you're like, no, stay down here in the mud with me. Like, that'll make me feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Don't don't think you're better than me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's always fear of abandonment that comes up if you choose to stay together forever, you know? And then I know I felt that before. And then it's like, oh, I just changed with you. And hey, we're still together and we're happier than we were before. So let's Change Let's grab each other's hands and great. head down this road together. Yeah. Like you said, head out on the beach, walk to the sunset. I love it. <laughs> if we tackle this spending issue, this money relationship issue, what is possible in not only in our own life, but in our life with our family and our husband? What, what's that shiny picture at the end of the road look like? Yeah. So the shiny picture is that you don't wake up in the morning feeling like there's a rock in your tummy anymore. You Instead, you wake up with peace and acceptance of where you are and excitement about where you're going. And uh, when bills come up, there's money there and you pay for those bills. And when you want to look into your savings account, you open that up and there's money in your savings and you can open up your Edward Jones or whatever. And lo and behold, you are planning for your future. Exciting things that you always wanted to do. Like we just remodeled a bathroom. It's like, whoa, that really changed my emotion. You know, my abundance emotion to walk into that bathroom and see beauty and see it all fixed. And like things like that can happen or, you know, trips or vacations or things that you just didn't ever think were possible. Now I'm curious, Heidi. So just real quickly in a, in the last few minutes here, I know that you talked about identifying the source of scarcity, like looking back into your family tree. And Justin and I, I don't know, it is in our family tree, but I feel like since we've been married for 17 years, this is just something that we have firmly established, whether it's from our family or we made it up together. But we definitely have that scarcity mindset. Like every time there's like you said, an opportunity or a big bill or whatever it is, it's always like the immediate thought is, no, we don't have enough. But then when it's like, oh, Justin wants to get a new power washer or I want to go on a girl's trip weekend, it's like, uh, yes, you know. And I feel like we are we are one of those couples that definitely falls into the emotional overspending thing because we close our fists and go, there's not enough, there's not enough. Um, but then when we really just want to pull the trigger, we just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, what words would you have for us on how to kind of start that healing process together? Because we really do want to leave that story behind us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the work that I do with my clients, we take we take a deep look into what is the old money story. We actually write it down. And so that's something you could do is start by writing down the money story. And then we create a new money story. So that's something y'all could do together is write down a new money story. Like just dream what could it look like? 
Well, it's really taking an in-depth look at your all your beliefs about money, as well as your old actions. Your old money story is a combination of your old money beliefs, as well as your actions that came out of those beliefs. Um, Heidi, I love what you're saying, but also you're terrifying me in this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, that sounds like very painful work. (laughs) Okay, well, here's something that's a little easier that you can do on a daily basis. So get out a piece of paper and uh, you're going to draw two columns. And on the left, I want you to write fears. And on the right, I want you to write faith affirmations. This is actually part of my free gift that I'm giving away. But so when money fears come up, like, hey, I want to go on this trip with my girlfriends and there's not enough money. I'm I'm afraid I won't be able to go. Write down a fear that you're having about money. And then on the, in the left column, and then write the corresponding opposite and the faith affirmations. Hmm. So like, what's an affirmation you would write for that, Danielle? I would write (laughs) for, um, this is very in particular to me, but um, I'm not sure if this this is a faith affirmation at all. Well, it is because who I'm created to be is to be someone who is in relationship and friendships and, um, develop, those bonds. And if I'm purposely removing myself from those situations, that is in opposition of who I'm created to be. So Mm -hmm. I would write that something to that effect down. Yeah. So affirmations, you want to write them like in the present tense, like they're already happening. So it could be something like, I know that God is showing me a way to go on this trip with my girlfriends because that's developing who I naturally am Mm -hmm. or something like that. Or I open myself up to receiving the money needed to go on this life-changing trip with my girlfriends or something like that. I like it. And you said this is going to be a free resource that you're making available for the podcast listeners too. So we will include that link in the show notes for sure. Um, Heidi, it's been so great talking with you today. I know our listeners are excited to find out more about what you're doing. How can we find you? You can find me on Facebook. It's Heidi Carter Coaching. And you can also find me on my website, HeidiCarterCoaching.com. And what is your class that you're doing right now? Because I know you're doing a class around money. It's called The Art of Divine Money. And it's a two-month deep dive into your money relationship. And it's creating huge transformation for my clients. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Heidi. Thanks, Danielle. This is such a pleasure to be with y'all. All right. So there were a lot of... Um, perspectives that Heidi brought up in the interview that really kind of rocked my thinking as to some head, some head scratchers. And I'm wondering, what do you think? Do you think money has like a spiritual footprint or a spiritual significance? Yes. I think I, I think I'll say a couple things. One, everything is spiritual, but spiritual isn't everything. Right. Rob Bell. Some people don't like him very much, but that's okay. It's still a brilliant uh, philosophy. I I think, yes, everything is spiritual and has a spiritual significance to it because we do. Mm. 
I think it's it's about how we interact with things and what perspective we choose to engage with. I think a lot, especially in the Christian world, we vilify wealth and we we elevate poverty in a lot of ways. And I think the scriptures have a lot to say about that, and I'm not arguing the scriptures. I'm not going to get into a theological debate with anybody. What I will say is that I think... For me, what I heard Heidi say is um, it's about stewardship. It's about being ready to uh, receive things and manage them well. It's, it's about, in kingdom language, it's like, why would God trust you with more and more mm. if you aren't a good steward of what you have? And I, th- I think I think it's good. I, I love the way she she brings a different language and a different perspective to the same question of that relationship with money. The scripture says, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will follow." And also, I feel like she really. I know at the end of each episode, we always have a challenge of what to do with this information. But Heidi, I feel like the challenge that she gives us to start. Um, healing and really writing down some of our money story from our past, some of our baggage, our money baggage, if you will, is, like you said, it has a lot of significance. Um, It can be some very thoughtful work. And I think it's just one of those things that I think the yield would be Huge. Yeah. The resource she gives is a great way of sitting down and clearing out some of those uh, those bad habits and thoughts that we have about it and creating an opportunity to, to have some more freedom in your life, in your heart. I love it. So this week, the challenge is download Heidi's free resource. Um, she's got a bit of a meditation on there, meeting your money soulmate. And so download that and go through it by yourself and share it with your spouse. You can find the link for that in the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 075. As always, we're talking about the hot topics from the podcast and so much more in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. It is really hopping over there in the group, isn't it? It is. It is Y'all don't want to miss out. You don't. Next week, we'll talk with Ty Kuttner from welldressedacademy.com. He is a style and image coach for men, and he'll be talking with us about the unexpected effects of dressing exceptionally well. Let's listen into a bit of our conversation with Ty Kuttner. I was approaching 30 and I had a son. He was, he was two and I was a, I happened to be a bus driver at the time, a job I didn't really like. And I just felt like things weren't going my way. I felt like my life, my twenties didn't go the way I planned them to go. And now I was about to go into being 30. And I felt like while I'm getting older, I need to be much more of a man. I need to look like a man, especially if I'm raising a son. And then a relationship that I was in, that tanked. What happened was I had to take a hard look in the mirror. And this was when I was like, you know, the things that I've been trying to work on and improving myself, I wasn't doing them. And that relationship started to go downhill because of that. I, I thought that I had some responsibility in that and I needed to make a change. So I looked in the mirror and I said, I need to change my image. This one left me feeling a little awkward in some ways because I've got some room to grow in my fashion sense. 
But you won't want to miss the insights Ty reveals about how shifting our appearance can lead us down a whole new path and perspective. Again, you can find this show, this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 075. Finally, we want to help more couples have conversations that matter. So if you love the show, please let us know. Jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review the show so that we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.